My father was unfortunately diagnosed with late-stage pancreatic cancer, and he was given weeks to live, and at 66 years old, he passed away. And he regretted a lot of things, right? His future that he'd been working so hard for was taken away from him, and he gave me one last piece of advice. And he said, Jackson, every single person in this world has two lives, and their second life starts when they realize that they only have one. Welcome to the Hustle Rebellion Show. We are on a mission to prove that being busy all the time does not always lead to success. We are business owners who are ready to stop wasting energy so we can be more productive. This podcast will give you the steps to stop hiding behind the hustle so you can start living the life you want. I'm your host, Heather Porter. Hello, you guys. Welcome back to episode 87. So I met this next guest at a recent event where we were both speakers and just really connected with him. I've seen him around just my networks for years and I've always just heard he does amazing work and he does. (laughs) So I've got to bring him on the show to have a chat with you guys. His name is Jackson Milan. I'm sure some of you guys have heard about him. He has a very successful journey in business and he's helped many, many, many people as well. So He's known as the Wealth Mentor, and he's spent the last 15 years helping service businesses, mostly you guys that are tuning in, understand the language of money and manufacture financial freedom for themselves and their families. Now, you might have heard that before, right? But I really want you to listen in and hear how he does it. I've never heard anyone do it quite like this. He has formulas and frameworks, and he really walks the talk so much so that he's going to tell you about where he lives and what he's created for his family as well. So he has now over 1,100 active clients and has built in excess of $2 billion. Let me say that again, $2 billion, excess of $2 billion in combined wealth and scaled multiple seven-figure businesses, of which you'll hear about. So he has a suite of businesses or a portfolio, and you'll hear about those. And he's really gifted at helping business owners like yourself make money for themselves and turn their business profit into personal wealth. And he tells the story which I'm sure is going to resonate with a lot of you guys about how you go through the phase of growth and suddenly you have more expenses than ever before and you're making less and you're working harder. And it's this cycle that tends to inevitably happen to us business owners. He talks about how he helps you go through that moment in time to come out the other side. So I can't wait for you to tune in and listen to our conversation. I know you're going to walk away feeling quite inspired and hopeful. And uh, without further ado, let's welcome Jackson onto the show. Jackson, I'm so happy you're here on the podcast. How's it going with you? Doing really well, thank you. I'm very excited to be here, Heather. Looking forward to having a, a good chat today. Me too, me too. Guys, Jackson and I were hanging out together recently at an event and we were co-presenters of an award, actually a few awards. And while I was getting to know Jackson a little bit at this event, he told me an amazing story about how he's created this incredible life and lifestyle. And we're going to get into that because you've built multiple seven-figure businesses. You have your current business, which we're going to talk about, and yet you somehow managed to craft out a beautiful little place of the world for yourself and your family. So I can't wait to talk about that. But before we do, I would love to start with a few tangible tips on the moments in your life when you're going through high stress, high growth in a business. How do you personally manage those moments to stay grounded and do better work? Yes, I think being grounded is really important, right? I think stress is often the killer of productivity and outcomes because we've got to face it, like in business, 
the outcomes are very uncertain. There's a lot of things that are outside of our control and there's also a lot of chaos that's going on in the world. Yeah. So I think the important thing and the principle that I follow is actually a, a saying from special forces to basically say that you need to understand what you can't control and you need to focus on what you can. And a lot of the things that I work on is about how do I trust myself and trust in my ability to be able to step up and do what is required, particularly when times get tough. Yeah. And I think the other part to this is that we often take ourselves too seriously. <laughs> uh, we, we have these first world problems, right? They, and let's face it, like the vast majority of the stuff that we're doing is not life or death. And I feel that we raise the stakes subconsciously when it's unnecessary. I think it was famously said by Seneca, is those who worry before it is necessary endure pain before it is necessary. And we often get caught up in the anxiety of what could happen before it has actually even happened. So I'm very focused on the here and now. I don't dwell on things that could be or what the possibilities could be in the future. And uh, I think that's a lot of what I do that keeps me grounded and a, and a big testament to my success. Do you have any practical tips around a busier day of yours? How do you manage your time? How do you get through that day? I've got a saying that my father used to tell me as a kid, and I didn't quite understand it until I got to an adult and I started my business. And my dad said, everything that you can perceive, you can conceive. And every single person in this world is limited by the same limiting factor, which is time. And the only difference between any of us is how we choose to use that time. And there's actually a behavioral principle called Parkinson's law that states that as human beings, we use the resources that we have available. And the more resources we have, the more resources we use. And I've seen this play out like my mum is retired and she's the busiest person that I know, yeah. right? So we're all going to be busy. And what I do to be productive, because I, I own a portfolio of businesses, I've got 45 staff, I've got over 1,100 clients, is that time is a constraint that you use the time that you have available. So my focus is really about making sure that I have a big picture plan and I chunk that down to find the least amount of time necessary to complete a task. Because I've often found that whether you give yourself 30 minutes to do a task or whether you give yourself two hours, you're not necessarily getting any better outcome. Yeah. And I've trained that muscle of time management to allow me to get more done in less time. Beautiful answer. Thank you. And now, because you have brought up the point that you have a business portfolio, I want to hear a bit about your journey in business. So please take me through the journey. Where did you come from and why business and why entrepreneurship? And then tell me what you're up to these days. Yes. So my parents were business owners. So I think I definitely inherited my entrepreneurial flair from them. Yeah. Uh, my first entrepreneurial pursuit, I was uh, just shy of four years old and I started <laughs> selling door to door. I remember I was in the front yard playing with a couple of my family friends. I gathered up all of my toys. I picked some flowers and I had a little pull-along cart. Yeah. And we started going door-to-door -door selling them. It was hours later. I'd collected some good money. And then all of a sudden, a squad car rocked up. My mum jumped out and was absolutely mortified thinking that I'd got kidnapped. And I just <laughs> couldn't comprehend why she was so upset. Um, and that was like my start of the entrepreneurial journey. But Business was actually always secondary for me. I'm passionate about wealth and my parents were hard workers, but they never had any money. And I wanted to find a way to create a catalyst for change, to break this kind of generational cycle that we had been stuck in of being working class. And I very quickly discovered that most business owners don't understand how to make money work for them. So I've very much combined wealth and business. And over the course of the last 16 years, I've helped my clients amass over $2 billion in combined wealth, 
you know, we specialize in helping business owners maximize their profit and systematically turn their business profit into personal wealth so they can create financial freedom faster. Yeah. Now, my philosophy for business is to try and serve a common customer avatar. So in that small business audience, I want to try and help them with everything they need from basically making the money all the way through to how they allocate that. Yeah. And we've essentially built a, a horizontally aligned group of businesses that aim to support our clients in doing that. So uh, yeah, we've now got a, a business that's worth over eight figures. And yeah, it's, it's been an amazing journey. But along that way, I've always prioritized work-life balance. I am a very big believer in challenging the status quo of how can I have my cake and eat it too? Yeah. How can I have this amazing, successful, high-growth business, but do so without selling my soul and working 80-hour weeks? So I developed a mantra called the F4, which basically we do this in our own business and we also help our clients with this, is that we want to produce $400,000 a year in profit or more. We want to work four days a week and 44 weeks per year. Oh, okay. And we want to fast track our way to $4 million in net wealth. Okay. And uh, I'm very proud to have achieved that myself and we've helped hundreds of our clients do the same. Amazing. Oh my gosh. So the businesses that you have, are they there to help support this avatar of yours achieve all these things you just mentioned? So you have different businesses that help them do all these different things? That's correct. Yeah. So our four core businesses is financial coaching. Yep. We help business owners understand their money because once they've worked with someone like yourself and they know how to make the money, yeah. they struggle how to keep it. Yep. And we teach them how to improve and optimize their financial operating system and maximize their profit so they can then actually pay themselves what they're worth. Excellent. Secondly, we've got a wealth advisory business. So most people have never been taught how to create wealth and build wealth. So we help them create a strategic plan that helps them define what financial freedom really means and then make their money work harder for them. Amazing. Thirdly, we've got an accounting business and we provide strategic tax and accounting advice because as we're making money, tax is a consequence of that. Yep. So we want to help them have the right structure and make sure they don't pay any bonuses to the ATO. And then thirdly, we're big believers in property and we believe that property is the best way to build wealth. But the issue as a business owner is we struggle to get the funding we need from the bank. And therefore, we provide our clients with strategic lending advice to make sure that they can get the appropriate funds to both grow their business and grow their property portfolio. Very savvy. Now, I'm curious, where do people tend to enter in with you? Is it just throughout any of the businesses? Is there a typical customer journey that occurs? Yeah, it's very interesting. We have our own lead capture philosophy for each of those businesses because I suspect that people want those different things at different stages yeah. of their journey and there's different triggers. Yeah. And what I've often found, Heather, is that people are often transactional when it comes to their finances. So there's always a kind of a, a tipping point where they're like, okay, I need to buy my home or I need to buy an investment property or I'm having issues with my cash flow. There's always something that triggers that. Yeah. And then we have inroads through all of those businesses. But our whole philosophy has been how do we have a shared client base? and get our clients to basically engage with us in as many of our services as possible so we can help them in as many ways. And we very much adopt that triple win philosophy. How do we make our clients win more? Uh, how do we make sure that our team wins? And then how do we make sure that we win as the business owners? And that's been a big key of our growth. Love it. And do you have a preferred way that you'd prefer to work with somebody or does it not really matter? Can I just literally come to you and go, oh, I'm going to sign up for the accounting or do you have a preferred path to get the best results? 
Not really, no. It's really based on what's going to be the best fit for the client. Got so it. we've definitely got people who just do the accounting and then over time we continue to elevate that relationship as and when we need. Yep. We've got some clients who come on board and just say, give me everything, I need it all. And that's fantastic. But we've tried to create it in a way that each business is independent Yep. and we don't force our clients to do anything if it's not going to add value to them or if they're not interested or maybe they've got great accountants or mortgage brokers or whatever already. Amazing. But the aim is that we can offer those services seamlessly to them if they wish. Absolutely love what you've set up. And what's amazing is that how many clients did you say you had in the thousands? We've got about 1,100 now. Okay. So you have 1,100 active clients. You're busy. You have a huge team, like you're saying. This is massive. So I want to talk to you about your personal lifestyle and how you were able to create this amazing, beautiful place that you live in. What's the journey to get to where you live? And tell us where you live as well so we can envision it. (laughs) Yes. So I'll start at the beginning. My old man was an incredibly hard worker. And for my entire life, I observed him working 16 hour days, seven days a week in order to funnel every last red cent that he could into his retirement savings with the aim, like most people, to retire at 65 and then enjoy the fruits of their labor. And it never really made sense to me, this idea of deferring gratification for a, a future that isn't promised, but that was his choice. And it's the choice of many people. And we fast forward to 2017, and my father was unfortunately diagnosed with late-stage pancreatic cancer, and he was given weeks to live, and at 66 years old, he passed away. And he regretted a lot of things, right? His future that he'd been working so hard for was taken away from him, and he gave me one last piece of advice. And he said, Jackson, every single person in this world has two lives, and their second life starts when they realize that they only have one. (gasps) And I was very fortunate to have that lesson because it was an epiphany moment for me that I always wanted to discover a way to have my cake and eat it too. Yeah, I didn't want to defer gratification indefinitely in the future and and eat cornflakes for dinner. I wanted to have an amazing lifestyle, but I also wanted to prepare for the future. And my motto is live for today, plan for tomorrow. So my whole philosophy has always been, how do I create the best of both worlds? And what I discovered is that for most people, Their scarcity-based planning, meaning that in order for them to do one thing, they have to sacrifice another, is not an absence of means. It's an absence of planning. It's that they plan for one thing, and inevitably something else comes out of the periphery that competes for the same resources, so they have to make a scarcity-based choice. Right. So instead, you just need to get better at planning and forecasting for everything you want, and therefore you can live in abundance. So as I was growing and scaling my business, we set it up to be completely online, My next big milestone was obviously getting it over seven figures, which we did. I then had a crazy idea to spend a year traveling around Australia in a four-wheel drive (laughs) with my partner and and our two dogs. And I wanted to prove to business owners that you can have an amazing lifestyle and grow a successful business. Because I I saw my clients for years saying, oh, I want to spend a year traveling around Australia with my family, but I can't do that yet. I'm going to have to wait to retirement and insert insert excuse here. I said, bullshit. Uh, No. Like, you have the ability to manufacture the reality you want. And if you believe you're going to have to wait, then you will. Yeah. But if you believe you can do it, then you can. And I'm going to show you how. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'm going to show you how. And then our aim was to find our dream home. And I've had a lifelong passion for animals. So I've always wanted to create an animal sanctuary. And we stumbled across a beautiful 70-acre property up in far north Queensland. Oh, my God. And we settled down here three and a half years ago, and we've now rescued over 100 animals who have given them their permanent home. And uh, it's absolutely magical. It feeds the soul. So I'm the type of person that I, I like to show and lead by example. 
I don't want to sit in a position and tell people what to do and be the kind of do what I say, not what I do. I want to show people these things are possible so they can actually see that it is. Oh my gosh. Like, I love that you are rescuing animals. That's such a, like, tugs on my heartstrings as well. I think I mentioned to you in a perfect world in the future, which maybe I'll have to start planning. But after our conversation, just to say, you know, I was thinking about ending up in England somewhere because my partner's from from London and having a bit of land and having um, dog and cat rescue. So you got me thinking on this actual goal that I want, (laughs) which is amazing. I love it. It's amazing. Thank you for that. It comes with challenges, right? There's lots of work that's involved. But I think the important thing about life is not balance. Yeah. It is purposeful imbalance. Yeah. Um, And it's about being able to choose where you want to emphasize the investment of your time and effort and energy. Yeah. And I think this is so important that we are often falling into these societal pressures of what is the norm and what should you want and how should you live your life and how should you scale a business and all of this hustle yes. bullshit that I know we rave about. And we're like, we need to end this. This is not how you grow and scale a business. No. You can chart your own course as long as you're passionate about it. Hey, Hustle Rebels. Did you know this podcast is brought to you by Website Love? That's my business. To help you cut back on the busyness in your business, a good place to start is to get your foundations right. I have two gifts for you to help you get your website working better. Watch the video masterclass, Six Things Your Website Needs to Get More Customers, or download the Ultimate Checklist, a 14-step plan to patch the leaks on your website. Just visit hustlerebellion.com now and scroll down to get access. How do you, being in your little pocket of the world, having many team, do you have any team advice because you are online and everyone works in different areas? How do you manage your team and keep everyone working as a well-oiled little unit? Yeah, I'm very fortunate that I've got a phenomenal leadership team and we've created an organizational structure where I can focus on the things that I love and that light me up. The biggest move that we made, and I guess this comes down to kind of like e-myth of that transition, I call it the four-step hustle where you go from technician to manager, manager to leader, leader to entrepreneur. And the hardest part I found is getting from technician into manager. And we realized that when we got to about $100,000 a month, we started spinning the wheels. Yep. And the issue was because we're trying to look forwards, but we're also so busy looking backwards. And the biggest decision that we made was to hire a general manager. Okay. And so we brought on our general manager. And the aim is that it was her job to look backwards and support the team and enforce the culture and make sure that everyone was supported. Yep. So we could be looking forwards and growing and scaling the business. And very, very quickly over the preceding 12 months, we got to 300000 a month. And then we just continued to identify the, the roadblocks and then work on to the next milestone. So I think the important thing about team is as a leader, as an entrepreneur, if you want to grow and scale a business to this level of scale, you need to be prepared to endure the ego deaths that come along the way. The hardest thing that I've had to accept is that not everybody in my business, clients and team included, rely on me directly anymore. Yeah. And that can hurt the ego a lot because you get a lot of fulfillment from that, being the hero to everyone's story. And it's often being prepared to get out of your own way, get out of the business's way that is the requirement in order to facilitate the growth 
because the business will never outgrow you as a leader. And then you've got to create the infrastructure that supports that growth by way of scaffolding as you grow and scale. It's a really valid point. For a very long time, I felt that as well. It's like, oh, well, wouldn't people want to just deal with me? And isn't that how it should be? And But now I'm so happy when they don't and when they actually just pick up a conversation with one of my team and then they, they're off and running with that team member. And to me, it's just heaven when that sort of ego death thing occurs and you're okay with it. Not only okay with it, you love it. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's powerful. It is so powerful. I just have to say something before we go into a case study, which I want to hear how you work with people specifically, but there was a post that you put up on your socials not too long ago. And I always mispronounce the bird. Is it cassowary? Cassowary? Cassowary, yes. Cassowary. Okay. You'll know it. So it was in the ocean. You were filming. <laughs> you guys, by the way, these birds are like, I don't know, like ostriches. They're like huge. They're huge. And so there was one swimming in the ocean and Jackson got it on video and put it on his socials. And I just thought that is just perfect you because it's just like, it shows where you live, who you are, animals that have everything wrapped up, up into one. And I actually use that post as an example of like a pattern interrupt on the socials, like something wonderful, wacky and bizarre that catches people's eyes. So thank you for doing that post. I always get a, a great deal of pleasure talking about it to people. My absolute <laughs> pleasure. I love the pattern interrupts. And the good yeah. news is that on my property, I have an endless supply like, of them because people are so fascinated by the, the snakes yeah. and the cassowaries roaming around and everything that's going on. So it's phenomenal for marketing, I tell you. I, I can imagine. All right, case study time. So what do you think of somebody that you've worked with recently and guide us through the journey of what happened before and after as a result of working with you? Yeah, here's the interesting thing. I think this is why we get along so well because there's so many synergies between marketing and money when it comes to small business. And I feel that in both, small business owners tend to abdicate responsibility because they have this throwaway line that, oh, I'm not a marketing person. I'm not a money person. There's other people out there that have to be better at it than me. And this is often what leads people to us, that they have this epiphany where they realize that, hey, I'm not getting the financial results that I want. Mm. I may have nailed my marketing, but this money's like slipping through my fingers and I just don't know where it's going. And you'd be very surprised to see that this affects not just small businesses, but we've got clients who come to us that have like seven and eight figure businesses that are experiencing exactly the same problems. Okay. And I was working with a particular client who was an allied health professional at a multi seven figure practice, working incredibly hard, had some great growth, but had nothing to show for it, was paying herself a fraction of what she was deserving in terms of income, was burning the candle at both ends, was really burnt out. And we went through and we looked at the financial operating system. The big issue was that she created a pricing model that was based on having a single practitioner and her doing a lot of the work herself. And what she had overlooked was what we referred to as the scale tax. As you grow and scale a business, there is inevitably going to be additional costs and expenses that are added on, and there wasn't a mechanism to adjust for that. And what was happening is that all of that was coming out of her pocket by way of the profits that were being consumed to cover that scale tax. Now, very, very quickly, as we reviewed the financial model, we identified what she was trying to achieve. We'd removed what we call the cash flow bottlenecks. Okay. We very quickly were able to increase her monthly profit by over $50,000. Oh my God. And that's $600,000 a year of annualized profits that can be accumulated in cold hard cash. And so this just goes to show that for many businesses, once you nail marketing, working with someone like yourself, Heather, we've got that inflow, that ongoing opportunity coming into the funnel. The next big thing is how do we actually plug the leaky holes in the bucket by way of the finances 
which ensures that all of that great opportunity flows through into your bank account and you can start using that to grow and scale your business and grow and scale your wealth. So that's just a, a simple case study. We've got hundreds of them on our website that are directly from our clients' mouths, so you can see that they're true. But it just goes to show that we can make shifts very, very quickly with the right systems in place. It's, I think what you literally just said there probably resonated with 90% or more of the listeners, which are also SMEs growing, scaling. That whole like, ah, you grow and you grow and you grow, but you seem to be working harder and earning less. And yeah, it's like, because you don't know what you don't know. And you're in this sort of high growth phase and there's so many new team members approaching you and asking you for things. And then you have the clients and you start to have the new fires that are coming into play. So when you're working with somebody like that, and was this through your financial coaching? Is this how she came in, by the way? Yes, correct. Okay. So when you're working with somebody at the start of your, like the financial coaching program, what happens, I guess, at the start of that? And how do you analyze and look for the things that you can work on and and help them fix? Yeah. So the great thing about what we do is that numbers don't lie Uh and numbers tell a story as long as you can understand the story. And there are four key chapters to understanding your finances in business. Your first chapter is understanding your lead metrics. So it's about understanding, well, how does opportunity actually come into the bank account in the first place by way of revenue? And it's about understanding, okay, well, from leads to clients and clients to uh, delivery and then delivery to invoicing, whatever that process looks like for you. And there's typically a lot of cash flow bottlenecks that business owners don't understand things like their cash conversion cycle or their cost per acquisition. So we typically look there in terms of chapter one. Okay. Chapter two is understanding their profit and loss statement. And it's the relationship between revenue, their cost of sales, their operating expenses, and how that impacts their operating profit. Because every business has a different financial model. Some have higher cost of sales and cost to serve. Some have high margin and low cost. And that allows us to have a deep understanding of where is the lowest hanging financial fruit that exists for them. Yeah. Chapter number three is the balance sheet. And most business owners have no idea what a balance sheet is, let alone how to read it. And what we see is that from so many business owners, they're frustrated that they go to their accountant, they see their financial statements, and they go, where the hell's the money? And it's because they have never understood their assets, liabilities, and equity in their business by way of the balance sheet. So we help our clients understand cash conversion cycle and ultimately how their profit and loss translates into real cash in terms of inflows and outflows. And then the last chapter of the story is the actual cash flow. And this allows us to work out, well, how much money do we really have? And then what can we do with it to either grow and scale the business, increase your personal earnings, and then build more personal wealth. And typically through this process, we identify seven levers. And out of those seven levers, based on the story that the numbers tell us, each of those levers has different sensitivity based on the business. Okay. And then that allows us to work out which levers we should pull and which levers we shouldn't. Got it. And how long is the chapters that you run somebody through on average? How long are they with you? Yeah. So most of our clients work with us for at least 12 months. And okay. the interesting thing about our value proposition is that we want to make sure our clients within 12 months can be in a position where they can actually make us redundant. Got it. Um, because the idea is that I don't want our clients to be reliant on us in order to get the financial outcomes that they want. I want to put them in a position where they understand this and that they can actually make these decisions for themselves. Now, for most of our clients, they don't make us redundant because they love the service and they love the value that they get. But that's our, va- our proposition is to get them in a position where they don't feel hamstrung to work with us. So in terms of how long it takes them to get results, depending on the business, some clients get results in the first month. I'd say that they can make some really significant inroads in the first 90 days. Yep. 
And the great thing about this is because we're working with money that's already coming into the business, any changes that we make will continue to bear fruit for the duration of the business and potentially for the duration of their life. That's pretty powerful stuff. It's amazing. How many coaches do you have currently that do this? So we've got six coaches, I believe, across our programs. And we've tried to be pretty smart in terms of how we've created leverage in our business in order to deliver results at scale. So yeah, it's worked out pretty well so far. Okay, cool. Love it. And another question that came up while talking to you about this, because there's always this phase in the business where it's like, do I need a business coach? What would you say? What comes first, financial coaching or business coaching? Yeah, really great thing. So I break business down into four quadrants. There's a marketing quadrant. So how do you get leads and opportunities into your business? There's a sales quadrant. Is how do you take those leads and opportunities and turn them into revenue? Yep. There's a delivery quadrant. How do you actually deliver on your promise of what has been sold? And then there is a growth quadrant. It's about how do you maximize the operations of that business in order to create excess profit, to maximize the business value and give you financial means to either reward yourself as a shareholder or reinvest back into the first quadrant. Yep. And it should be in that order. Ah. You need now your marketing first. Your sales second, your delivery third, and your growth last. So for most of our clients, they typically come to us from at least about 30 grand a month. I'd say our median client is probably high six figures to early seven figures. Yep. And the reason for that is because they need to nail their value proposition first. They need to make sure that they've got marketing sorted and, and they've worked with someone like you and they've actually got some good runs on the board because the, when they've got that, there's more that we can do to optimize. So that's typically the thing. And I think this is the hard part about business coaching. I think it is a generic term. And I think it's important to understand, well, out of those four quadrants, where do you need help the most? And for us, I would say that we fall into that growth quadrant because once we can optimize that growth, we can create excess means to fuel the other three. You have explained that so well. Like seriously, it's such a clear path now for what somebody should be working on and their focus. So thank you for that. My pleasure. Now, how do people work with you? I know you have these four different core businesses that you offer. Where do they go? What are the next steps? This is the interesting thing, right? Everyone's running their own race and there's so much pressure to keep up with the Joneses. And and for this reason, I've developed a 40-point financial performance scorecard, which is aimed to help people understand exactly how they're tracking and what is the area they should be focusing their attention the most. And the interesting thing is that the average score is about 18 out of 40. So most people are below average financially. Frankly, I don't care if their score is 5 or 35. The important thing is that they can identify the next one, two, or three things that they can do to improve their trajectory to wherever they're going. So I've included that scorecard along with copies of my international best-selling books and a whole heap of calculators and tools to give your audience as a bonus. So if they go to wealthhealthcheck.com.au, which is wealthhealthcheck.com.au, they can grab the scorecard. It'll take them about five minutes to do. They can get all of those bonuses. They can see how they're tracking. And then if they'd like to touch base and have a conversation, they can. all of the details will be on there. So uh, don't be a stranger. Feel free to reach out. It's so good. Thank you so much. Guys, you've got to go over there and check that out. And I think the thing is, is that and what you've said a few times in this conversation is that everyone starts somewhere and there's no reason to be embarrassed where you are or feel like you're too far behind. Because like you said before, Jackson, most of us are not taught this stuff ever. And it's it's like, you know, what I'm, I love about you is you've made it so accessible and so easy. And I feel like there's no judgment that ever comes from you and your organizations. And that's really important when it comes to finances, right? 
I agree. Yeah, I think there's a lot of stigma that comes with finance. I think there's a lot of guilt because people believe they should know. Yeah. But it's like, imagine trying to learn to speak German and you beat yourself up because you don't <laughs> master it in the first lesson. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the good news is that we've made it very simple and anyone can do it. There's no such thing as a finance person. It's just a matter of having the right tools and frameworks that can shortcut your path. So um, that's the yeah. big ourselves on that. And it means a lot to me that that's, uh, that's coming along in the messaging because uh, that's what we're all about. Definitely. It's coming through loud and clear. Now, as we start to wrap up our conversation, are there any last words of wisdom or advice you'd like to leave for people that have listened to this and they're thinking, I want this. I want this lifestyle. I want the business to be the vehicle for what I've always wanted to be. What would you say to those people that feel like, I'm ready? Where do I go from here? Yeah, there's a common thread in all of our successful clients and case studies. And that comes down to the fact that they've taken the theory and they've implemented it. Because a good yeah. idea in theory will always remain exactly that, just a good idea until you take action. And the important part is don't get caught up in getting it perfect. There is no such thing as perfect. Perfection is the enemy of progress. It's about taking imperfect action and failing forward and fast. And if we do that, then we're going to be far better off than just staying where we are stagnant and treading water. And so make sure you, if you've got some golden nuggets from this, go take some action and uh, enjoy the journey. And uh, I'm sure you'll do well. And they're going to take action again. One more time. What's the link? The link is wealthhealthcheck.com.au. There you go, you guys. That's what your action is from this session. So please go over there now and get the scorecard and all the goodies that Jackson has been really, really um, lovely to present to you guys as my listener base. So as always, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in and hanging out with us over the last 30 minutes. And Jackson, thank you so much for being here and just sharing so freely and opening with everybody. My absolute pleasure. Hey, Hustle Rebels. If you enjoyed tuning in, you have to check out hustlerebellion.com. It's where you get access to the special resources mentioned in these episodes and can watch the video versions. If this episode gave you a few tips to help you run your business better so you can live a more joyful life, please rate and review it and pass it along to a fellow business owner. As always, thank you for your support.